This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. This week's episode of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Orange 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined as always by Hudson Standish. We're here to wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, uh, maybe a happy post-National Signing Day uh, from the early signing period. Hudson, how's it going? It's going great. How can it not be going great when Texas closes their uh, 2023 class like that? Goodness gracious. Yeah, it was... um, it was a it was kind of a boring sign into the signing period that turned very interesting late and then um, you know kind of came together like we saw it and so uh, it, it added a little bit of fun without the uh, unnecessary heartache for Texas fans I guess you could say to me it was kind of a perfect uh, early signing day right because every single one of Texas's commits heading into the day signed. And then you pick up two guys in DeAndre Moore and um, Tassilia Kana that weren't necessarily surprises, right? But, you know, they weren't totally done deals. So you have that little bit of suspense and intrigue. You get two new guys that are, you know, top 100 players to the class. And then you also sign the guys that came into the day committed and, you know, Arch Manning, Anthony Hill, Cedric Baxter, Derek Williams made sure to get his uh, – national letter of intent in pretty early which just was you know fantastic so yeah vibes are high I think if you look on the board right now you'll kind of see more of the same like everybody's pretty happy yeah I I think if you the the I guess we can kind of get into the individual ones since we've last spoke it's been kind of a wild two weeks with state and everything happening and us having a hard time finding time for recording I think actually the festivities for Texas fans kicked off. Was it last Wednesday or Thursday when we were at state? It was during the Franklin Brock game. So that would have been Thursday. Uh, yeah. That, that Thir- it, for, during the in-home visit. That, yes, that's right. Sorry. That, that week runs together for me, but um, the Anthony Hill made the choice uh, to, to pick Texas Um it was something we saw coming. I don't know if we knew the timing was going to be what it was. Uh, we kind of figured when it didn't happen right after TCU that it would probably go all the way to signing day. Uh, but then talking to Anthony and his family, it was kind of always the plan was just to they didn't want to they didn't want to push it all the way to signing day and have to deal with like the decision stuff with everything going on yeah. on signing day. And the other thing is, and if you know Anthony, this really falls in line with him. He didn't want to take away from his teammates by by having a, the whole thing be about him he wanted it to be kind of a celebration of what they had done in their years at ryan so um i, I thought a, pr- a pretty cool move by him 
cool move by him. And from our personal conversations, it kind of fell in line with what we thought. Because when Anthony Hill committed the first time, you didn't see a ton of like I emoji tweets, right? Or, hey, decision coming soon. He was just on his visit to Texas A&M, felt right, decided to pull the trigger. And then even through the, um, you know, decommit process, when we started hearing rumblings, he always kept it extremely classy with his A&M pledge. And then finally, you know, just on a Monday, decided to release it, right? So I think that the way Anthony handled his recruitment was pretty impressive all around considering the circumstances of being a five-star and the number one linebacker and, you know, such a high profile guy from the state of Texas. And then just committing like that during the in-home was pretty awesome. So we got asked like, Hey, were you, were y'all waiting on this? And we were because we had the stories ready. And um, I think almost Mike, it kind of got hard to like, play up other competition for Hill, right? Yeah. Because we kept on having to say, well, AM's not in it. Like you don't have to worry about that. But then finding any sort of other competitor was kind of hard to do because we just felt so good about where Texas was. Funny funnily enough, Miami somehow gets thrown into the mix on the day that he eventually commits to Texas. Um and I don't know. The rest of that night was just kind of great because what we kind of knew behind the scenes went public in, you know, Anthony Hill being a longhorn. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it, I, I think a lot of credit goes to a lot of members of the staff on there. I, I you know, if you want to look True at team effort. Yeah. What Jeff Banks did, I think is kind of the primary recruiter. What Jeff Choate did as the secondary recruiter and being the, the position coach. Um, Steve Sarkeesian was incredibly involved in that recruitment Pete Witkowski. But to me, the, I mean, the MVP, we could talk a little bit about this impending move, is was Chris Gilbert. Chris Gilbert in this recruitment, and in a lot of recruitments we've seen over his two years at Texas, has done a fantastic job driving relationships with the families behind the scenes. And Anthony told me at signing day that when he made his decision, the first person he called was Chris Gilbert. It wasn't Sark. It wasn't, you know, Choder Banks. It was Chris Gilbert. I mean, that's where the family had the relationship with. And for those who haven't seen, there are reports out there that Gilbert is headed off to join Eric Morris's staff at North Texas and be an on-field coach. Um, we are hearing similar, although as of the time of this recording, it is not completely done, but it's certainly heading that way. Um, mm-hmm. But it's going to be a tough, that's going to be a tough uh, role to replace, I think, is, is what Chris Gilbert gave them, especially when you look back at what he did with Hill, what he did with Samaje Burrell, what he did with the offensive linemen like Kelvin Banks and De- Devon Campbell and Nato Amezulu last year. He was incredibly integral behind the scenes um, with that stuff. And so I thought it was cool that uh, that Hill mentioned when, when he made the decision that Gilbert was the first he wanted to call. Yeah, that is awesome. And I kind of don't think that we can underestimate uh, what Gilbert did at Texas. You mentioned those names of recruits. And also just you want to talk about a pure vibes guy uh, to have on staff too. Like it was very easy for especially Dallas, but just high school parents in general, when they get on a visit to connect with Gilbert, he knows exactly what they're going through. And I don't know, it was just an inspired move from the jump with Sark. And if this does end up being kind of our Chris Gilbert send off episode, he deserves his flowers because he's done a tremendous job. However, I guess I would say we're kind of coming up with a list of candidates behind the scenes for his position if he does go to North Texas. And uh, we've also just kind of heard some names, some potential, uh, you know, chatter out there. And I have to say, this is kind of a king making position at Texas. Like you get to be at the University of Texas, almost in a bridge role connecting your high school stop to, you know, the new age of college recruiting. I think there's going to be a ton of interest if he does leave for North Texas. And, you know, Steve Sarkeesian could again make a, you know, 10 out of 10 higher. Listen, it's funny you said that. Like, literally while you were talking, I got a text from a source that said, one thing's for sure, that director of high school relations role will have way different expectations now. Um, And that is the case. I mean, Gilbert was essentially an ace recruiter who could also uh, build that bond with the high school coaches and, and, um, you know, just be an extra weapon to have on campus to build relationships and make people feel comfortable. So, um, look, I don't think Anthony Hill gets here without him. So I, I think that's very fair to say. 
Um, let's talk about signing day itself uh, and the day after, I suppose. Uh, going into the day, I, I guess going into the 24 hours before, we had heard a lot of things back and forth on Cecilia Kana. Even the week before when OU Crystal Ball started to go in, I think I wrote something that was like, hey, you know, there is certainly a lot of respect for Oklahoma in this recruitment, but nobody in Austin thinks they're out of this as of yet. Um, and that was kind of the message I was getting was, hey, we, we think we're still in it. We think we still have a good chance. Um, and then it was kind of one of those things. Uh, it was kind of one of those things where you, if you looked at kind of the way it was trending going into the night before, it started moving one way. And a lot of times when recruitments start moving one way at the last minute, they, they, they don't go back. Um, I was kind of just spending the day before, like, hey, let me check in with a couple of people. Let me see where things are. And all of a sudden, the, the, the noise I was hearing on Akana went from, well, we think we're in it. We think we still have a chance to, we think we're going to get him. Um, and so it, it became so making some calls and, and checking around. And um, once we kind of got wind of it, I would say, I guess, Hudson, uh, the Tuesday night before signing day, I thought, I think we started to become pretty sure. I, I talked to somebody late last late that night who had said, hey, somebody from the family told Texas it's Texas. So um, that was kind of what we decided to put in the crystal balls the following morning. Yeah, I, I think the way for me personally, and obviously jump in, Mike, if you think any of this differs. For you, you were more tied in on this recruitment, so it could be. But, like, for me, Monday night, I went to sleep thinking, you know, hey, let's monitor some moves that Texas is making here with Akana. And then Tuesday morning, it went to, like, full intrigue of, like, okay, they're really going to try to make this interesting. And then by, like, Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night, I was kind of feeling like it was going to be Texas just from, I guess, reading things. And then – Obviously, what we put in the picks Monday morning. I'm sorry, Wednesday morning, because at that point, behind the scenes, we had kind of been told that, hey, the Texas staff has been told that it's them. Like, let's let's move on this. Uh, and I guess kind of before we get into Tassili as a player, talk about that backdrop. I mean, he committed on uh, the 24-7 Sports YouTube page. And I thought that um, Blair and Emily and Ivan's that entire crew just crushed it the entire day. But specifically for that commitment, I mean, good goodness gracious, that backdrop. Yeah, it was. Uh, man, I I don't know how I didn't get approved to go out there and cover that announcement live. Um, you know, just me. Hi, it's me from a from a lounge chair with a drink. Uh, covering this this, uh, this announcement, um, yeah. Shout out to all the crew at twenty four seven did a phenomenal job um, with the the recruiting show on on signing day. I I think as the day built on, it was just it was like we said it was going one way and it wasn't going back the other way. And um, you know, the more people we talked to, the, the better feeling we got in Texas. I do think that there were people who um, thought it was done a couple of days out from signing day. I could tell you from personal knowledge talking directly to people attached to the family. Um, it was not, it was 50, 50 ish going into Tuesday night, but it was just, I think it was moving so far toward Texas that it was like, yeah, maybe 50, 50 right now, but like it was 60, 40 a day ago. And now it's 50, 50. We know which way the momentum's going. Um, I think for Akana getting him, it wasn't a necessary, but man, it sure is nice to get a guy like that, especially when you're looking to add edge talent. Like I think had they missed on him, they would have had some edge guys they feel really good about. But if you can add a player like that, it certainly helps as well. And, in you know, kind of what he brings is that big, long limbed, uh, long frame. It's an NFL type frame. Um, he's really good off the edge has played a, been a really productive player at Sky Ridge in Utah. Uh, for the last couple of years, and it's a guy that could just continue to help add to the pass rush. Absolutely. I, I do want to say, though, I think that we're on the same wavelength here. I don't necessarily pencil him in, though, as somebody that's going to get uh, immediate playing time, right? Even though he is such a highly ranked edge, I think it might take him a little bit of time to see the field, which would be fine. Yeah, I think – I think push comes to shove, he could see some situational stuff. But yes, for sure, I I don't think he's a guy that you're like, oh, we, we need him to come in and, and get snaps right away in a, in a heavy role next year. Uh, 
Um, especially when you consider now, like with this edge group, right? You have Colton Vosick and Akana leading the uh just kind of leading the room in the 2023 class, but then you look at somebody like Billy Walton, who I'm sure we would talk about uh when we get to the 2023 class guys that maybe might overperform their ranking, right? Or could maybe see uh the field a little bit quicker than their ranking indicates. So I don't know. It went from a group in September where we were kind of like, ah, man, Billy Walton might be the only guy until they get somebody late to now you get two top 24 seven talents and you look at what the linebacker room has. And I don't know. It's just really encouraging, especially uh, considering like the two year cycle windows, right. Of Steve Sarkeesian's two classes, you kind of combine them and it's, it's really, it's just great stuff. Like this staff just recruits at a, really high level i mean they're number three in the country right now i think with getting close to like a record amount of points uh in our you know 24 7 uh yeah i have to go back and look um because i know it's getting close it 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 would be i think they're at 303 right now i think i want to say in like 2018 they had close to that um and there was probably another year in, in the mac brown era where they were either they were above that although it makes it difficult because like those those mac brown era teams weren't really in the 24 7 uh era this is kind of wild uh with three less commits ahead of the 2018 class okay so yeah i mean they're 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 on the verge here of signing probably their most talented class ever sorry my points goodness yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't make a ton of sense, right? Because you look at last year and you think, well, they had all those offensive linemen and all these type of guys, and you know, it's just they they signed them in different spots. I think it's funny. I saw somebody tweet that Steve Sarkeesian looks at looks at uh um uh, like weaknesses on his roster and then takes it personally. Um, if you <laughs> yeah. if you like look at what they did with offensive line last year, if you look at what they did with defensive or with a uh, edge and linebacker this year. Um, both of those things were like, okay, we're going to go attack these positions and, and really make them, you know, what they are. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll, we'll have, look, this is not the show where we're going to break down everything in depth and, and talk about each guy that'll become later. But when you look at what they did at those, at, you know, that kind of front seven position groups outside of the interior, but from the edge to linebackers, it's about as good as you can imagine it. And by the way, I went, um, I ended my signing day, Wednesday night by driving out to Marlin uh, to see Darian Gallette sign. And he looks in phenomenal shape coming back from a knee injury enrolling in Austin in the spring will not probably be able to go through spring football because he'll still be rehabbing the knee. Um, but just looks like he stood up and I was like, Oh wow. He hasn't missed. Uh, he's been doing upper body at least. So um, yeah, it's, it's just a really fun group uh, to, to see come together. Um there was supposed to be another announcement on signing day and uh, it got, it got a little wild, but it ended up coming home for Texas. That was Deandre Moore, the four-star wide receiver uh, from St. John Bosco high school in Bellflower, California. Going into the week, we were pretty sure Deandre Moore was going to be a longhorn. I mean, he had visited Austin the last weekend of the season instead of visiting Louisville. Everything we had heard for the past month was basically it's Texas for Deandre Moore. Um, and so, you know, it was kind of like, okay, well, all that's left is uh, is for him to just pick them and sign. And lo and behold, it can't ever be that easy. Our own Greg Biggins had a report uh, Wednesday morning that Moore was leaning towards sticking with his Louisville commitment and would not be signing that day. He no-showed his own press conference, um, in which it was discovered he had a nameplate at the press conference with uh, a Longhorn logo on it. Um, and it kind of went into Thursday and Hudson, to be honest with you, this is where Hudson was the MVP of our coverage. Um, to be honest with you, like Thursday, I was just like recovering from everything and was like passed out in a, in a chair in my living room. And Hudson called me and was like, Hey, I just talked to somebody who thinks DeAndre is going to sign or, or is about to sign today. So, um, I kind of almost forgot about it or, or just kind of put it out of my mind at that point. It was I think we were both on this, but I I do think I initiated the conversation too on Wednesday um, where I was kind of like, look, dude, I kind of, this feels kind of like a pump fake. Yeah. 
I remember talking. Yeah, I talked to somebody about it who I said, "Hey, is there any chance that this is just like a?" And and they're like, "Yeah, I mean, like if he was going to stick with Louisville, why wouldn't he just sign with Louisville?" Exactly. So I don't know the entire thing on signing day itself. I think we're just running on so much adrenaline that you make more instinct calls than you normally would, right? I don't know if that even makes sense, but just because it's such a fast moving day, you're publishing so many articles, like it's just kind of you run off of instinct, I think, more than Intel sometimes, which normally is not good. But with DeAndre Moore, it just kind of it's smelled like a pump fake coming. And luckily, we were talking with sources all Wednesday and Thursday morning and kind of still got the idea that Texas was going to win out there. So it made it a lot easier when I got the call that, hey, I think that DeAndre Moore signed. All right, well, you know, easy easier then. And then I believe maybe 45 an hour later, he tweeted out, you know, 6 p.m. Um, and then quickly uh, announced that he had signed at Texas. So all in all, good day, Mike. You've actually seen DeAndre Moore on the circuit and we're pretty familiar with uh, his play at, I think, Desert Pines, Los Alamitos, and St. John Bosco? Yeah, I, um, I've i known DeAndre since he was like a ninth grader, and it was – or maybe a tenth grader. I remember going out to Pylon in Vegas, and I stopped by Desert Pines High School because at the time Texas was recruiting Javante Barnes, who was also at Desert Pines, who's now at Oklahoma. And they've got a uh, one of their guys who was on staff there, who's now – on staff at the university of Georgia, um, they would all work out of this facility in Vegas. And so I would call him and say, Hey, can I stop by and see the guys and was just really going to see Javante. And he said, well, let me, let me introduce you to our youngster, Deandre, who's like a incredible speed, incredible. And, you know, he looked phenomenal when we saw him and, and and I kind of, he and I kept in contact ever since that moment. And then, um, you know, I'd seen him a couple of times in seven on seven. He's a really, like I, I think I to me it's kind of like what the perfect receiver looks like. About six foot, about six foot one, kind of compact in build, but like big enough, you know what I mean? To not get to not get physically dominated by corners. Straight line speed's really good, but his lateral abilities is is awesome. I think he he kind of does a lot of the little things well. Um, he attacks the ball, very physical. I actually kind of love him as a safety. Um, I, I had that conversation with a couple of our guys after we saw him last year uh, at uh, battle in Las Vegas, play defensive back. I think he just looks great as a safety. But on either side of the ball, this is a guy that uh, I think is a, just a really good football player and a really nice uh, a really nice cherry on top to this receiver class. This is Brendan Marion signing three players in the composite top 100 at his position. Pretty Pretty strong debut year for him at Texas. I was on mute. Uh, we can't exit this segment without talking about another addition to the Texas roster. In Wake Forest, cornerback Gavin Holmes, we were ready on that one, but some of the uh, more recent intel was that he might uh, check out some other schools for visits, but Gavin ended up just uh, pulling the trigger and committing to Texas and shortly uh, you know, signing all of his financial uh, aid agreements uh, afterwards. Yeah, um, it was uh, it was a name that when Texas offered, you know, like we said, they haven't been incredibly active in the portal. Uh, they did seem to target him. Uh, they went after him. They hosted him. And it sounded like something would happen. I talked to a source um, near Holmes after the after the visit, and it was like, well, he's probably going to take a couple more visits. So uh, timing wise, I'm not sure we expected it to drop that day. I thought maybe we'd see it in a week or two, but you know, credit to Texas for getting him. Uh, Hudson, I, I mentioned this to you on the phone the other day. I had not seen a ton of him, um, so I don't know, but you said you've watched two full Wake Forest games with him. Um, what can people expect? Yeah, and also I do want to say, I, I should say this, we got the article out in I think two minutes, which is pretty good, kind of what we're looking for. So Gavin, I appreciate you deciding to commit on signing day when we're kind of on our phones all day, regardless. That made it easy. Um I think that he's a bigger version of Deshaun Jameson, maybe not as definitely not as athletic. And I think that Jameson is kind of a more violent striker as a tackler. Right. But kind of similar profiles. Um, 
I do think that probably rep by rep Holmes is better in coverage than Jamison, but it's just that type of player. I think at the minimum, he's a very competent third corner. If you think one of the young guys has just completely taken over that cornerback two role, right? So like if Terrence Brooks crushes it this uh, spring, then you put Terrence Brooks at that second corner opposite of Watts and you have a experienced guy that's played, you know, thousands of snaps at Wake Forest. Um, That's kind of your rotation guy. Or I just think that the Texas staff maybe is taking a gamble. And if we can teach this guy to run, uh, to support the run better, trigger a little bit quicker, take better angles, be a little bit more, um, you know, forceful uh, through contact, then they've got a stud on their hands. And I don't think it's a ridiculous premise, right? Considering how we saw the Texas defensive staff really, um elevate the play of guys that were already on their roster right like I think Baron Sorrell the entire defensive line obviously Jalen Ford and then guys on the back end too Jaron Thompson especially like they all took major steps forward in their game so I don't know in a era where I think talent acquisition is kind of the end-all be-all it's refreshing just to see guys on the roster get developed and improve their games yeah, absolutely. And using the portal for that is, uh, is I think, important for them to kind of fill those types of holes. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. We'll hear from our sponsors. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about where the position strengths are in this class and what's needed going forward. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, and thank you to those sponsors for their electric ad reads, uh, as always. Hudson, we talked a lot about Sark kind of addressing the the need at linebacker and edge. Um so obviously we think those are positions of strength in this class. Um, I think anytime you get the number one quarterback in the, in the country, you're getting a, you know, position of strength. Uh, <laughs> True. <laughs> especially cause you, you know, you're not, you're not typically recruiting multiple guys at that position. So it's like, it's kind of a one or done or, or done type of thing. Like yeah. we'll say it. Arch Manning's good. Yeah. <laughs> fact. Um the funny thing is, though, like people have asked me over and over the last week, like, well, who's the guy who's like most you're most excited about who's most ready to play? And I'm like, well, it's not Arch. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a great acquisition. But like, can I talk to you about Anthony Hill? Can I talk to you about Cedric Baxter? Um, I'm interested your opinion. Um, where do you think outside of like the obvious is like the obvious quarterback linebacker edge where do you think they did a great job in this uh this class it's odd because this is a position group that i think people want to talk about a ton but i'm not seeing it getting as much pub they signed three top 100 receivers which is not as easy to do as i think a lot of people think i thought marion crushed it this cycle obviously sark is heavily involved with wide receiver recruiting you get an all-around guy in jonte cook Ryan Niblett kind of fits like when Steve Sarkeesian took over, we were expecting him to recruit guys like Ryan Niblett. Right. And then Deandre Moore to kind of finish it off. I think I view him almost similar to Jonte, but maybe a little bit more physical. Right. In that they're just all around great receivers that kind of don't have any glaring weaknesses in their game. And they're not maybe typecast as Niblett is a, a little bit, but I mean, overall, that's just a great group to me, especially considering that Texas is kind of in need of immediate uh, impact guys at wideout. 
Yeah, I like the O-line. Um, I think it's not going to be as star-studded as this O-line group was last year. But when you look at what Kyle Flood was able to do after signing that type of class, to say, okay, I'm going to identify five or six guys, and I'm going to get five of them. I mean, they didn't really have to go deep in the bag um, for guys. They missed on, okay, they missed on maybe a guy like Ian Reed, or they missed on a guy like TJ Shanahan. But for the most part, if you think about the fact that Connor Stroh, Andre Kojo, those guys were both guys that Flood was the first to offer. Chapman um, also. Jaden Chapman. So got, got those three guys. And then the way the Peyton Kirkland commitment kind of came out of nowhere, <laughs> yeah. um, which will be the, the fun story to tell here in February when we write the behind the scenes. Um, adding a player like Peyton Kirkland, getting a high upside guy like Trevor Gooseby, it's not as sexy as last year, right? But it doesn't need to be as sexy. They don't have a need for one of these guys to come in and be a freshman All-American on the offensive line. They need guys who have – development ceilings and a runway to, to develop. Also, Mike, like this is where we talk about these two year recruiting windows instead. In these two years, Texas signed 12 offensive linemen from high school. Like it's very clear. I love the thing you said earlier about Sark taking it personally. It's like Kyle flood also took it personally and was like, nah, you gotta let me cook. Like you, you've got to let me bring in 10 plus guys over this two year window. And what I like, too, like Andre Kojo, Connor Stroh, Goosby, like those three specifically, and I want to say Chapman as well, not as familiar with Kirkland's like um, internal processing, right? But like those guys aren't going to portal after one year. Like those guys understand that like they need development and kind of are going to get put into the uh, Kyle Flood incubator, so to speak, right? And are going to have time to improve. So you're not worried about their timelines overlapping with a guy like Devon Campbell or, you know, NATO Amoslo, right? Like that's what I love about this recruiting approach, especially is because you kind of address the now with last year's cycle. You have a freshman all American and Kelvin banks, Cole Hudson plays really good. You get Devon Campbell in there. Some, I think uh, Cam Williams is on field goal unit every since. So like these guys are getting in now and then you kind of are setting yourself up for the future with this class. So I don't know. I really love just the roster construction nerding out from what Kyle Flood and Steve Sarkeesian has um, have done in Austin. And at the same time, you can't be as excited about the overall talent acquisition and roster construction without just the fact that Kyle Flood has kind of completely put his fingerprints on the on-field development as well. Like Texas's offensive line was amazing. Uh, proof of that is the fact that, um, you know, Tennessee and I think Oregon just picked up two guys they assumed to be starters from uh, guys that weren't in the starting five this year. And obviously I think Junior Angulau would have been, but they made it without him and he's at Oregon now. And then with Andre Carrick is that sixth offensive lineman is going to find a way onto the starting five with Tennessee, who's a pretty, you know, high pro profile program. So, you know, hat tip to the offensive staff there. And um, I think the next logical way to go is probably running back, right? Yeah, I do want to say on the offensive line, credit to Kyle Flood for getting all of his work done on the night before it was due. Um, basically swept four commitments in like a single day. Yeah, and exactly. then and then added Kirkland a little bit down the line, at making it to be like, okay, I'm done. Um, which was funny just to kind of see him out and about on the recruiting trail in December and being like, Well, what are you doing? You don't you're not trying to close on any guys, you're not here's another stat I had. Um did you read my article this morning, Hudson, on the on the recruiter rankings? I did. Did you see the stat on how much weight Kyle Flood <laughs> yes, helped bring into yes, the program? That was incredible. <laughs> that was incredible. Yeah, Kyle Flood helped bring in basically a metric ton of weight to the program when you consider that he was um, he was responsible for all the offensive linemen and Sadir Mitchell uh, was it played a secondary role in Sadir Mitchell. Uh, it came into like 1,950 pounds. So yeah, I was about uh, to say, I think we were uh, 50 pounds away, 50 pounds off, but let's be honest here. Look, a couple of these linemen, they're all listed at like 345 or 330 or whatever. We know there's a chance if we could get them all on a, on a, on a, yeah. on a scale, 
we, we might be in luck. Um, yeah, running back is one that I think to me and you, again, it's kind of like quarterback to where if you get a, a key player in it, like Cedric Baxter, it's like, okay, well, we're kind of good, right? With just this one guy. But yeah. I, I thought it was interesting what Stark said in his in his sign day press conference about looking for complimentary backs, um, that they never want two of the same runners in one class, yeah. uh, which I mean, seems simple, but it's not, it's not always, I think people look at, you know, three guys who look the same and like, well, why don't Texas just sign all of them? And it's, you know, because yeah, obviously that's uh that's a problem, but I think there was maybe a little bit of worry, especially from me, a guy who saw DeSoto this year of like, okay, what is Trey Weisner going to be? Um, at Texas because he had kind of fallen out of the rotation at running back. He wasn't getting a lot of snaps for the Eagles. What he did in the last three weeks uh, of their playoff run, and then especially at State, made me think, okay, this is the vision for Trey Wiseman. Exactly. And on on the point about Sark, too, it makes sense when you just think about who he is as well because he is the offensive game planner first and foremost right so when he's looking at these recruits he's kind of looking at pieces on a chessboard that he can move around so why would you want you know another rook when you can add a bishop or you know whatever so I I think that 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 is just interesting in itself and then Trey Wisner just kind of proving uh you know putting proof of concept of what he could do in that role in the state championship game specifically I thought he was brilliant and maybe the best offensive player on the field. Jonte Cook was also phenomenal. Three catches for 103 and touchdown. He was winning his individual battles all day. But the way that DeSoto, um, that last stretch of the season, moved around Wisner, I think it really did contribute significantly to their uh, state championship. Like, I do. Yeah, I agree. Looking at this class, what do you want to see them improve? I mean, we've got... Uh, time we've got two months basically going down to the to the uh, February signing day I think things get heavy in the portal whether it be that or finding some more evaluations at the high school level to me I think we have to start with defensive line like interior defensive line that's where I was going to go as well I love Sadir Mitchell but other than that you know yeah I mean you lose Dylan Spencer something we didn't talk about I think that was kind of a mutual decision Dylan Spencer Seem to be yeah. looking around in Texas, seem to say, well, if you're going to be looking around, why don't you just go uh, type of deal uh, with him down the stretch. And he ended up at Texas Tech. Outside of that, though, they, they need some more bodies there. Hudson, I'm curious, do you think the number of guys that they signed in the 22 class at that position makes it a little easier to go lighter there right now? I think so. And again, kind of just circling back to our two year window conversation, right? I, I think so. But at the same time, I'd love somebody from the portal. Or if you think you can take a shot with one of these late emerging guys that, you know, maybe didn't sign uh, in the early signing period, right? Um, yeah, I bet. I, I mean, ideally, I just want to get somebody from the portal. And another portal guy, I think that maybe we should have mentioned is the fact that Jihad Carter from Syracuse was on a visit, the safety. um, And I believe went to Ohio state right after. Um, I know that Ohio state's in the mix. I know, I believe Alabama has kind of been uh, flirting with them a little bit. Right. So defensive line, definitely a need to just add bodies. I think that Bo Davis definitely proved that he is, you know, all that's advertised considering the development that that group had going from year one to year two, but always want to be adding bodies. And then safety with Jihad Carter is just another intriguing option for Texas uh, to kind of try to add to that defensive group. Yeah. Looking at last year's class, they signed uh, four, what I would call interior D line bodies and then a bunch of edge type bodies. So there was, I think it was like almost a seven or eight man class. I think if you include the defensive lineman and edge, but I definitely think that's a position where you always have to be adding. And Mike, you saw a guy recently uh, in Jure Bledsoe that I've kind of heard a lot of promising stuff about. Yeah. He was at Darian Gallette signing ceremony. Uh, looked phenomenal, phenomenal shape. Um, I mean, last time I had seen Dar- uh, Jure Bledsoe like up close, was at Under Armour last year where he looked woefully out of shape uh, and just kind of bad. And then I saw, I walked in and I was like, I think that's Jure. 
And he stood up and he's just like, he's straight up and down. He doesn't look like a defensive lineman, you know, where he's, uh, where, where they kind of stick out a little bit like me. Um, he, you know, he was straight up and down. So that's, uh, I, I think I texted you and was like, man, Jure looks tremendous right now. And it's kind of one of those things we talked about on our, I guess, in-depth uh, 2022 uh, breakdown in our personal rankings, right? That if Jure was to maximize, he has one of the highest ceilings of last year's class. He just kind of has to put his head down and do it. And credit to him because everything we've heard behind the scenes is that. And then you getting the just straight up uh, confirmation with your own eyes is always great as well. Because we kind of got that last uh, summer with Cam Williams also. Yeah, for sure. Um, going back to positions of need, I, I still think uh, like corner. Look, you sign Manny Muhammad, you get Gavin Holmes, but I think you you always need a corner. You always need corners and safeties. Um, and then when you look at safety, uh, is it just Derek Williams? I'm I'm blanking off the top of my head. If there's anybody else I'm missing, um, you know, they I'm feel horrible if there's somebody else. But yeah, that's kind of the only one I'm thinking of off top. Yeah, I mean, you, you just have Derek Williams, which, again, a phenomenal get at safety. But, um, you know, I think you need more numbers there. So, you know, every year it seems like a position gets kind of sacrificed so that other positions can add more. Last year we saw it was linebacker. I think that they just kind of bowed out on linebacker so that they could take more bodies on the O-line. It seems like they went to the secondary this year. And again, in 22, yeah. they signed a lot of guys in the secondary. They signed a lot of guys at corner and safety. So maybe they looked at it and said, we can do this. But I would expect to see safety addressed during the portal um, and, and maybe even another corner. I know that this is obvious. This is not a great point, but I do just think I should say it. It's good when if you only are going to sign two guys at corner and safety, it's great that one is a true corner. Like Texas has taken a lot of corners to where we kind of, oh yeah, he's a corner, but we kind of assume that he's going to spin back to safety, right? He's corner. a, you know, quote unquote <laughs> corner. Or they take a safety and you're like, yeah, I don't know if he's going to contribute right away, right? Like he has to get bigger. The good thing for Texas is in Malik Muhammad, you get a true, like, I think you could play Malik for an entire, you know, Big 12 or SEC season right away. And, yeah, he'd lose some battles, but he'd also win quite a few as well. And then with Derek Williams, that's a true, like, when we talk about these early contributor types, like, he fits the exact mold that we're looking for. So, again, it's not like the two takes that they have in the defensive backfield are guys that you have to worry about, right? Like, these two are pretty dang solid. So, if you're going to be few in numbers, it's good that both of the guys are top 50 talents. And, you know, they had uh, Jamel Johnson from Arlington Seguin committed for a while. And again, I think that's another one of those mutual decisions. So, uh, you know, they felt good about what was on campus and with these two high profile guys getting kind of injected into that defensive backfield. Uh, I don't know. I, I see the vision here as this being the spot to sacrifice almost like, um, you know, you mentioned, Mike, last year, linebacker kind of had to be sacrificed for the 22 class, and Jeff Choate came out in 2023 and kind of landed an uppercut. Yeah, absolutely. So, all in all, a good class. I think we'll talk a lot more about let's break down this class player by player once we get to February and we see what the final product is. But this is, I think we're like 98%. This is what the class is going to be. There'll be some late additions. There'll be some transfer guys and all that, but this is yeah. what the bulk of your class is going to be. Um, Hudson, let's take another quick break. And when we come back, let's wrap up the show by talking a little bit about the state championships. Let's go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, and thank you to our sponsors for that great ad break. Hudson, I thought, I I always kind of think this every year, that it's good to have commits in your class that play for state championships because winning culture is something that you can't, you either have it or you don't. Um, Sometimes I think maybe I overrate that stuff, but going into Sark's press conference, he mentioned it almost right off the bat that. Yeah, exactly. How much it was. This matters to Sark. Like this isn't just a you and me thing because we're high school football nerds. Right. Um, And it's something, you know, I used to hear Mac Brown talk a fair amount about is guys that win growing up, expect to win at every level of their life. And um, I think that that that's, I think the point makes sense. I don't think, no, I don't think the plan is, hey, let's just see who makes it to state every year and we'll just offer a bunch of kids off those teams. Exactly. And, but you know what I mean? Like if you've got the guys who are athletes, who everything matches up what you want on the field, and then they go out and win state championships, that's a really good thing. Sark mentioned the two-year window. If you look at what this class has done in two, and I would even say a three-year window, Anthony Hill won a state championship while at Ryan. Uh, Jonte Cook won a state championship this year. Malik Muhammad back-to-back state champion. Derek Williams won a state championship last year at Westgate. It's it's twelve out of third out of twenty-three, which I thought was pretty staggering. That yeah. won a state championship in their three year or in when they were varsity players. Cecilia twelve Connor, out of twenty-three is pretty crazy. Yeah, Cecilia Connor won one this year. Colton Vosick uh, won one like two years prior to this. Uh, back-to-back. Sadir Mitchell won this year. Leona Lee Fowl won this year. Billy Walton back-to-back. Trey Weisner won this year. Spencer Shannon at Modern Day. So it's been a really a class full of that. And I think we saw it going into the Texas State Championships. Texas had the most commits of any school, I would probably say, in the country. Um, yeah. I can't verify that because I didn't go look at every country's or school's commits, but they certainly had every major school in the region. Uh, five commits playing, and all five of those guys walked away with trophies. Exactly. And, like, something I was thinking, too, when looking at this class, the guys who ha- don't have state championships, it's not like they're playing for scrub schools, right? Like, uh, Andre Kojo at Mansfield Timberview. We saw them go on multiple round runs multiple times. Connor Stroh at Frisco Wakeland, same thing of like, you know, um, there was another one I had too. Jaden Chapman at Colleen Harker Heights made it to a regional final this year. Samaje Burrell at North Crowley. North Crowley had probably their best season, I don't know, maybe since winning a state championship. Like, uh, undoubtedly, yeah. Trevor it, Goosby, multiple reps. Like Darian Gillette, in Marlon guys. went to a semi last year. Exactly. So other than, I guess, maybe Peyton Kirkland and Ryan Niblett. Like Even Ryan Niblett, two- though. Even Ryan Niblett. Yeah. That, that was a raised- kind of bad all Eisenhower team this year. They went to the playoffs. They went to the playoffs in a kind of sneaky, tough district. So, like, he's raising – the program level while he's there, including, you know, an Aldine Eisenhower team that probably would have been better if, uh, you know, I believe composite five-star in the 25 class, Dion DeBlanc doesn't transfer to North Shore and have to sit out for the year, right? So it's, you know, one of those things to where even the guys that don't have the gold around their waist, they're still playing for good programs. And even if their program isn't historically good, they're elevating it to a new level. So, that's one thing that I love about this class. These are going to be guys that enter off season, especially the early enrollees ready to work. There's not going to be this culture shock of, Oh, expectations are this now. No, they're just going to go in ready to work, which I don't know. It's, it's really encouraging considering what this Texas program's culture was, you know, before even Tom Herman took over, like it's just night and day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's talk about the state titles in general, if you want. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to start with the Texas commits and their performances. Um, 
I guess we could start chronologically. South Oak Cliff played the earliest games of any Texas commits. Going into that game, I think we've had, if you've listened to our podcast all year, we've had some worries about South Oak Cliff all year. But they just kept figuring it out, man. They just kept figuring out how to get it done. And I thought each each commit in that game, Billy Walton and Malik Muhammad, obviously had put kind of their own stamps on it. Walton was in early on the first safety that South Oak Cliff forced. He was – it was kind of – he forced – the quarterback back inside, and then Brandon Jones came up the middle to get the safety. And then he had a big uh, stop on a fourth down um, when that kind of put the game away, I would say. And then Malik Muhammad had the moment of the night, the pick six, uh, to give Sock their first lead. And, and, like, let's be honest, when the pick six happened, we knew, okay, that's ball game at, at this point. Yeah. And, um, it helped him bring home defensive MVP uh, and a really strong performance from both. Something that I liked, too, is – like, um, for the both of the sock Texas commits, Malik Muhammad got burned on like the third play of the game. Uh-huh. One of those ones where on the offensive script, Fortnatus Groves thought that he might jump a route, went out and up, just kind of toasted him. Right? That's a bit <laughs> like that's a big moment in the state title game to kind of get burned like that. He goes to the sideline. Obviously, you know. Uh, South Oak Cliff defensive coordinator Kyle Ward, I think we'd agree, is probably one of, if not the best defensive minds in Texas high school football. He's him. He's, I mean, all due respect to Tony Salazar, I don't, I don't think I would put – That's Ward, the only other name that I can think of. I, that's in I, the same I, I would put Ward on his level. I wouldn't put Ward below anybody. Yeah. So it's kind of those two for probably us. Obviously, they make some adjustments. Malik Muhammad kind of plays lights out the rest of the game. Right? Um, Fortnatus Groves gets up 17 to 5. Obviously, kind of a wonky score, right? But um, I think that in addition to Malik, early especially, I think that there's some things that Billy Walton will look at on the game tape and kind of realize like down to down, I have to be more consistent and play at a higher level. Like yeah, it I- can't just be flashes um but in that second half the suck defensive uh staff makes adjustments they shut png out and then they get their back-to-back state title and as i'm driving home uh the omni and uh the other tower in dallas that i'm forgetting are lit up with sock gold reading tower yeah um and I don't know. It was just it was just a really, really good victory. I know that obviously you're tied in very close with the Sox staff. So overall, it was just, you know, good stuff. Yeah, it was a fun night. And hey, man, I that PNG team played really, really tough, a really well coached team as well. It was it was cool to see those kids get their chance. I thought that they they came out when a lot of people, I think, would have been very intimidated by Sock in that setting and were not intimidated whatsoever. Yeah, I thought you know, just credit to Jeff Joseph, Cade McCrary, all those guys on the Port Nature's Grove staff. And I think you kind of heard in the post game that the uh, South Oak Cliff coaches kind of gave them their due as well of like, hey, this was not an easy opponent. We really had to dig and rally for this. So I don't know. All around, just a great spectacle for Texas high school football. Wasn't the attendance that we were maybe thinking it could be. But still, I thought both communities showed out well. And I believe other than North Shore, uh, uh, Duncanville was the highest attendance of the weekend. So, you know, when you're talking about a combined uh, attendance of the schools less than 3,000 and you're getting, you know, 10 times that or 11 times that, whatever, um, in the stadium, it's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, the next game chronologically would have been DeSoto over Austin Vandegrift. Um, it was. I think, again, if you look at what the Texas commits – I'm sorry, I missed one. Jaden Allen uh, played the morning – that Saturday yes. morning for Alito, uh, 2024 commit. <laughs> oh, God. Which Alito well, – we're not going to say a ton about this game. Alito bludgeoned um, – who'd they play? Yeah. Uh, uh, they Station. played College Station. And credit to Alito, uh, Jaden Allen, um, obviously – He had like seven tackles in the game. I mean, he – Yeah. You know, he, he was very active, but this game was – was a massacre. I I do want to give credit. Um, He didn't do a a ton per the box score, right? But awesome for Jermichael Finley's son, Caden Finley, the 2026 wide receiver tight end 
getting some snaps in a state championship game, really contributed a ton to Alito's playoff run and already has a Texas offer. And I think is somebody that you're going to hear quite a bit about uh, in the near future. Um, and then Hoss Haney for Alito, like Guy and I talked about him on the state of recruiting all year, showed up on the biggest stage. I think is somebody that as a slot receiver or maybe even quarterback could make some noise at the next level, really impressed with uh, Alito. And talk about just, you know, bouncing back after a tough start, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we go back to – sorry, back to that DeSoto Vandegrift game. This is one where the two guys in the in the group, they did exactly – you know, it was like, okay, what are the commits going to do? Well, Jonte Cook gave you the first touchdown of the game for DeSoto when he caught basically just a little stop and put a move on the corner and, and put the yards after the catch up. And I, I thought a pretty electric run. That's not – to me, uh, that's not – that wasn't a hallmark Jonte play to me. Like, Jonte usually gets open by creating separation off the line, uh, by creating separation at, like, the top of the route um, and can go over the top of you. But just to see him kind of put the moves on a guy and then go speed down the sideline past everybody was kind of like, okay, there you go, Jonte. That's what I love. Even though Jonte didn't get his Jordan Whittington completely take over the game moment, like, he showed – um, kind of what we always talk about with him, Mike, that's he's an all-around player. Like, there's not an element of Jonte's game that I don't think he, at the very least, is just good at. And that includes yards after the catch. A lot of his touchdowns are kind of getting by guys on, you know, uh, deep routes, like you said, creating separation. But at the same time, if you're going to play soft on him and let him just catch a hitch, he's going to take it to the house as well. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what it was. So, um, and then Trey Wisner scored the second touchdown, and then had another big play. I thought he was tremendous, just down the, the middle of the field from the slot, just w- was able to find those soft zones and 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 get open, and then you know from there put on his speed. Yeah, it, uh, Trey ended up with two hundred plus all-purpose yards, two touchdowns. I think was averaged well over ten yards a touch. So, all in all, for him just really an impressive way to cap off the career i'm happy i picked DeSoto to win the state title before the um you know brackets started happy to happy to get a dub because i definitely had the wrong read on our next game yeah we all kind of did uh duncanville north shore nobody wanted to ride with duncanville after what's yeah. happened the last three times but Give credit to the Panthers. They came out. Um, I thought North Shore seemed a little tentative early on. Like, yeah, weirdly tentative. Like, you yeah. know, you have the mental advantage in this game, and you know that you have a guy like David Amador playing quarterback. It's like, why not turn it loose? It felt like they were very much just yeah. jab- jabbing early on. And then all of a sudden, Duncanville's up 14 nothing, and then North Shore is forced to kind of turn it on and go from exactly. there. Exactly. I think you're I think you perfectly kind of sum summarized how the game went. It was kind of like a boxing or an MMA fight, right? In that it was too tentative at first. Like you said, you're just jabbing while the other guy, like credit to Reggie Samples, like those guys, his guys did not show up ready for round four, right? They made it a completely different game. They get the interception on the first drive. I think the difference maker in the game is Caden Durham. I think that he just offers a level of explosiveness and uh, just, I don't know, had everything working for Duncanville on the ground. That kind of led to some passing opportunities that Duncanville was able to convert on. And then when it got to the second half, I thought that Colin Simmons finally kind of took over the game and showed why he's, you know, viewed as a composite five-star. Yeah, we were sitting there going, man, Colin Simmons just hasn't done much in this game. And once he activated, it was terrifying, especially the time where he caught uh, David Amador by the helmet and almost ripped his head off. Uh, yeah, I was weird we saw him. Yeah, in the play. He was uh, he was incredibly elite from that point on. Any other uh, things you want to mention about the state title before we get out of here? Yeah, I think we have to mention the fact that earlier in the year, I kind of uh, did the poking the bear thing about like, hey, Dallas hasn't won a 6A state title since I think it was 2017. 
Or uh, I can't remember the exact year. You might have to help me. I think it was. Would I, it would have been seventeen because 18, Allen, eighteen was Duncanville losing to North Shore and Longview. Okay, uh, Westbrook. And I think Matt Step kind of put it really well talking about that. Of hey, Dallas hadn't won a uh, you know six A state title since twenty seventeen. Well, Texas high school football is cyclical. And instead of just getting two 6A state titles, which, you know, they did in the southern southern sector, DeSoto and Duncanville winning, you also get Sock in 5A D2 and Alito in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex in 5A D1. So you get a full sweep for the two highest classifications of football. Um, and China Spring is the, uh, you know, highest uh, classification team outside of Dallas to win a state title. Yeah. It was a really, I mean, for me and Guy, really fun year. That's what we live for. We love our Dallas guys. Uh, I, I should say, too, I'm sure you'll agree with this. There's obviously no asterisk on any state title, but there is in the back of our minds wondering what happens if Caleb Bailey is healthy for North Shore. Like, that's the only Absolutely. But as yeah, I should say, know. we always think that with Quindon Jackson. Right. I think it, it balances so, out. But, yeah, I think it's exactly. a very, very much – Different game with Caleb Bailey in there, um, for sure. Um, all right, uh, let's uh, let's call, let's call it let's call it a show. Let's uh, I've got to got to wrap some more Christmas presents. Uh, you've got to. Are you a good rapper? No. of Christmas presents. I'm awful. God awful. I, I think that I think that I'm like the Brock Cunningham of wrapping Christmas presents. I like have great effort. Um, I'm really trying. Uh, sometimes you you don't hit your threes, you know. I'm like that. The, that would be my. I'm like the Ajay Hall of great Christmas presents. <laughs> what? What? You're just throwing presents? No effort. The then I get angry. That's what happens. Um. Yeah. No. I'm not yeah. I guess it. maybe we should. Should we? I get. I don't know. Let's not talk about Ajay Hall. This is no. a great show. Let's have a Merry Christmas. Uh, um. Yeah. I, are we going to do a bowl prep episode for Talking Texas? Maybe do a talk uh specific things point tally i know you won but just yeah we've got a we, we may have to do that the bowl game is i believe it's what 27 it's on next thursday next, yeah, next thursday. thursday okay so yeah i think we'll we'll look at getting one out maybe we'll have one out um that day on the 29th the day of so you can listen to it in preparation for your bowls um we'll, we'll record it early in the week next week before i head off to uh it's all-star game season so i gotta i'm heading to orlando okay. for under armor and then back and then we'll be at uh all all american bowl in san antonio and i understand that some fans are kind of hit or miss on all-star game content this year guys there are so many good recruits like the value is in the practices um, not the game itself, because you get days on days, you get a good sample size of these guys in action. And Texas has a loaded class, and the in both bowl games are just absolutely loaded with prospects. We're looking at the All American Bowl uh, specifically, and oh my god! Not to mention that, like, they're going to have guys making decisions at these things. Johnny McDonald will make a decision at the All American Bowl. Texas very much in it. So um, there is a lot of intrigue. Uh, you know, once they had an early signing day, it took a lot of – because, I mean, back in the day it used to be this was the heat, right? You would go to the All-American Bowl. You would see who's recruiting who, who's going to pick who before February. Early signing period took a lot of a lot of the piss out of that. So um, I think now it, there's less and less of that type of intrigue, uh, but I think we are going to have some great content, so please look forward to that. Um, all right, anything else, Hud? Yeah, just one quick thing. It uh, broke while we were on air. I know that it had been previously reported. I wrote something about it, what feels like at the beginning of December, about uh, you know just the fact that Rashawn Johnson and Bijan Robinson were both going to opt out of the bowl game and you know uh, prepare for the draft. Rashawn made it official with his note. I love Rashawn Johnson as a player and as a person. Mike, you got to personally recruit him, and I know that he was just kind of stand-up guy through that process as well. You got to personally cover his recruiting. What did I say? Recruit him? Yes. Oh, my bad. No. Let there, let there, let there not be any any misunderstandings on yeah, that. No Freudian slip there. That was just a – but regardless, I guess what I'm trying to say, in an era where – I think justly guys can move around whenever they want. Like Texas kind of gave Rashawn Johnson every opportunity to transfer. 
Like he's a top two, four, seven quarterback that they asked to fill in at running back due to a health crisis. Uh, he, you know, contributes there. They bring in Bijan Robinson. So, Hey, even if you want to try to play quarterback again, like, you know, your spot at running back is going to get taken by this five-star dude stuck, worked through it. You know, all of it became probably one of the better leaders that, I can remember just from my time as a Texas fan and especially covering it really mended a lot of stuff behind the scenes this year and last year had a coaching change that he stuck through again, just had every opportunity to, you know, explore options in the portal, uh, love Texas enough to stay. And I don't know, turned into a draftable prospect in the end. I think he's going to get, you know, third, fourth, fifth round type of uh, looks and, I don't know, just again, specifically because he's a Southeast Texas guy, just have a lot of love for Rashawn and what he did at Texas. Yeah, I mean, everybody should. He he had an incredible career, was an incredible teammate. Um, all right, well, we hope you guys have a very Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, whatever it is you celebrate. We hope it's it's a good one for you and your family. Uh, we appreciate you guys for taking the time to listen. For Hudson Standish, I'm Mike Roach. We will see you guys next week. to the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after the Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.